You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue our 2018 Oscar Best Picture coverage. We are into our second film of the nine Best Picture nominees that we're bringing to you basically over the course of the week in the lead-up to the 2018 Academy Awards, the 90th Academy Awards. Uh, we're here to look at Dunkirk, a film that we've technically already reviewed and already looked at, but uh, we're going to have a bit of another look at it right now to chat about it, its chances and everything else that we maybe didn't talk about uh, all those months ago. My name is Ben, and I'm on a boat picking up survivors. <laughs> and... My name is Colin, and I'm flying in an airplane for an hour and 45 minutes without showing my face. <laughs> oh, look, it's Tom Hardy. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we obviously, we did this last year. This was, um, you know, we were both very, uh, I think, uh, high on this movie. Uh, and having watched it a second time, I don't really think my opinion's changed too much. I mean, I think it's it's a different perspective watching it, knowing that it's kind of a bit higgledy-piggledy in terms of the time frames of everything. And, oh, yeah, I get it. Um but, uh, yeah, I don't know if your your opinions really change much on this. I don't know if you've watched it a second time or anything else. But, uh, yeah, Dunkirk, are you, are you still a fan? Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen it since, um, since we covered this back in July. But uh, it, it's one of these things I think just it sticks with you. It, you have positive memories of it. It's such a unique movie. Uh, and I know that they re-released this recently uh, just you know, trying to get up more business. I mean, after it was already on a Blu-ray, they re-released it in theaters because Christopher Nolan's really big on, like, the the cinematic experience. And I was so close to going again. Um, it's just the first time I saw it, it was an IMAX, which it was made for. And when they re-released it, they weren't playing it in IMAX. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to go a step down. But uh, I mean, nothing's really changed about my opinion. I think um, this isn't giving too much away, but I've now seen six of the nine Best Picture-nominated movies and this is maybe the only one that I could say, like, I really see as a potential Best Picture winner. Um, and I don't think that would change if I watched it again. I think it's just such a unique movie. I mean, it's great. And it's it's interesting because this is the earliest released one, is it not, out of all these nine? Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned July well, last year. or I think Get Out came out uh, earlier than that. Right, okay. Um, well, the second earliest released uh, of the nine... Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It is kind of, you know, a unique sort of film the way it is. And, um, it's still like, even though, and I guess these are technically spoiler alert recaps, reviews, whatever you want to say. But I mean, if you're unfamiliar with sort of the timing of how this works in the film that, you know, as we discussed, I think we alluded to, I don't think we fully discussed in our uh, review last year that obviously you're watching this thinking it's in chronological order, but it's not. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. much of this is happening sort of all over the place. And again, as I said, knowing that watching it a second time, you, you do kind of pick up on a few little things here and there, but I, I'd love actually to see an edit of this done in chronological order. Um, I think that would be mm-hmm. very unique and interestingly done. I'm sure there's probably a version of that out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think out of the two that I've seen <laughs> of the nine so far, uh, I mean, you know, my rankings is, you know, very, uh, hard right now and I'm just jumping ahead right to the end of this film really. But I mean, I, I would put this above, I think is a more realistic chance of winning than the post based on the two that we've covered so far. But, uh, do you think the fact yeah. that it's released so earlier is it, is going to be a detriment to it, its chances? Uh, no, I mean, that's... I remember growing up, that was always the thing, is that 
if you released a movie any earlier than, say, mid-November, you had no chance of winning the Oscar. And there was always that one movie that was released maybe in September or something like that that got nominated, but it was pretty much they had no shot. Uh, the earliest I can remember anything being nominated was uh, when Fargo got nominated for Best Picture. That came out in, like, February of the previous year, so it was, like, a whole year, and people thought that was amazing. But things have kind of changed in the last few years where uh, I feel like you have maybe from like the Hurt Locker on, it's almost more of an advantage to come out a few months ahead of time because uh, whereas it used to be uh, a movie would be released in theaters and then you're looking at six months before it comes out on video, a lot of those movies back in like the 90s or even you know uh, 2000 to 2005, they had to time it just right so that maybe they came out on DVD or video just before the ceremonies just to get that extra bit of publicity because they were always competing with all the, the Christmas movies that came out. Uh, but now because movies come out so quickly, I mean, Dunkirk was like July. You know, they had it out on Blu-ray, I think, in December and re-released it in theaters in early January. I think that there's probably just as much attention on this as anything else anything else out there that's been nominated. Well, I was thinking of um, Gladiator, because I remember that was a big gap. And I'm just looking at mm-hmm. that was released in May uh, of the previous yeah. year. And obviously the Oscars were in March. So, um you know, that was one that I was just automatically thinking of. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this a lot last year when we did the, the review for it. Obviously, as soon as this was released, it was, you know, being talked about Oscars. And, um, I think at the time, you know, people were saying, oh, this is a shoe in for best picture and things like that. And it, it slipped down, I think, on the favoritism a, a fair bit on this. But, uh, I mean, outside of the, the best picture nominees, I mean, we talked about the post. Obviously, yesterday, that only got a grand total of two nominees, as you mentioned. Should have really mentioned that uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi actually got double the nominations as the post. How that's possible, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, this actually has, out of the Best Picture nominees, the second most nominations, eight in total, only behind The Shape mm-hmm. of Water, they got 13. So, judging on your sort of uh, criteria and your thought process on, you know, how these generally work, I mean, you would assume that that would, I guess, boost it up slightly, considering it's got, yeah. what, four times as many as uh, The Post did. Yeah, and I think the other thing to consider, you know, we, we talked about expanding to, in this case, nine, but uh, upwards of ten Best Picture-nominated movies. You have a handful of them that really have no chance at all, and really have to look at the best director category to figure what has like a real shot. I think, with the exception of Argo, when Argo won Best Picture, there was that controversy of well, how did Ben Affleck not get nominated for Best Director? And they almost gave Argo Best Picture just uh, as like a makeup for not somehow not nominating him for Best Director. Outside of that, you kind of have to have a Best Director nomination in order to be a real Best Picture contender. And Dunkirk's one of the five best director uh, nominated uh, or nominated directors that also has the best picture nomination, which I think that's the big deal about this because we talked about when they expanded uh, in 2009, it was to the 10 best picture nominations. It had a lot to do with the Dark Knight not getting nominated the previous year. And the following year, um, Inception got nominated for best picture, but Christopher Nolan still didn't for director. So it's crazy to think that we're now um, how many years removed from Memento, like more than 15 years. I mean, we're looking at probably 16, 17 years since Memento came out. And this is Christopher Nolan's first Best Director nomination. And it's appropriate because this movie is all Christopher Nolan. I mean, we have a bunch of no-name actors in here, most of which don't speak because this movie has 
like about nine pages of dialogue. Uh, it's 100% a visual movie. It's all about how Nolan structured it, how he, you know, edited this together, the, the, the weird timeline and everything. I mean, it's completely his show. So I'm glad if he was ever going to get a best director nomination, it was for this one too. And we talked about that in the review about the acting and that sort of stuff. But I think it's, it's actually interesting watching it on second time. Uh, you, you do kind of, I think, pay attention and appreciate the act, the small roles. And I know we did talk about that last year. But, uh, you know, Cillian Murphy, for example, you know, just mm. his role, like, I, I completely forgot just kind of the, the level of his role. And I, I you know, I really uh, appreciated that. And I feel weird saying this because, uh, you know, I, I still don't know what boy band he was in, but like, Harry Styles can act. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not bad. He actually is pretty good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's just, you know, along the uh, big names of, you know, Tom Hardy's top half of his face. Uh, you know, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, um, you know, all the other esteemed people. But, um, yeah, I mean, everyone, I think, in planet Earth is a fan of, um, Christopher Nolan. So, um, you know, long overdue. But, I mean, it, it, just kind of on that, I know we're really here to talk about the best pictures, but, um, it's sort of, it, he's not in really much of the conversation anymore for best director, because isn't that kind of Del Toro's mm-hmm. to, to win, really, at this point? Yeah, and you know, as as much controversy as there's been about, you know, Oscars so white and everything, you go back over the last five or six years over the best director category, and they're all Mexican, like all of them. <laughs> so, um, I mean, Del Toro, I think, should be a lock just based on that. You know, that's not me making any type of like, you know, political or racial statement. It's just there's something about these Mexican directors where their movies are so different that that sort of is capturing everybody's attention. Uh, I think it personally between the two movies, I, I would prefer Nolan and it's not even just as a Nolan fan. Cause I think it, you can almost fall into that, that, uh, um, habit of just whoever's the big name. Oh, Spielberg deserved a best director nomination just cause he's the only name anybody knows. You know, there aren't a lot of people out there who are as familiar with, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson as great as he is. Um, maybe not for Phantom Thread, but, uh, <laughs> you have a big name like Christopher Nolan. It's like, well, everybody's going to say, well, Christopher Nolan deserves it. Or it's like the Leonardo DiCaprio thing when he won for The Revenant. Was he winning for The Revenant or was he winning for his entire body of work? If Christopher Nolan wins for his entire body of work, I'll be happy because I think he probably was the most deserving director out of these. But it's not at this point, it's not looking like he's really in the race or this movie for Best Picture. Which, you know, I'm sure he'll have other opportunities, um, you know, Genuinely, I the think Dark Knight Rises again. Yes, <laughs> uh, I think we generally talked about that, didn't we? About directors, kind of, you know, their name and loan is generally enough to to sell a movie. I mean, we sort of talked about that with Steven Spielberg, but you know, Chris Nolan now is kind of up there. And I think that was the episode, didn't we? We went over directors who had, you know, grossed the most money, and you know, obviously Nolan being mm-hmm. up there. Um, I mean, outside of the the best picture uh, nomination and the best director nomination, just the the other ones, I think we should probably quickly just uh, mention for those at home wondering what are the uh, eight in total that it got nominated for. Uh, Hans Zimmer is up for the score, which can I just point out on the second viewing, you notice even more like it's a, and because it's it's kind of like a constant eerie score that like it's it's like mm-hmm. eerie mixed with dramatic, like you always feel something is about to happen, and it's yeah. just so noticeable, I think. And I, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And when I mean, you mentioned about John Williams' score uh, in the post, which was great, but uh, I think I probably enjoyed this one more. And obviously, we know John Williams isn't up for the post. He's up for The Last Jedi. But, um, you know, I I really, really enjoyed the score. And again, second viewing, really noticeable. Also up for Best Sound Editing, uh, Best Sound Mixing, 
best production design, best cinematography, and best film editing. All the glamorous categories, of course. <laughs> um, that they get all like the, the, do you always notice at the Oscars, they get like the really big A-listers to present the really shitty awards? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, here's Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt to present best production design. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, you know, it's never a no-name for one of these ones. Like, they should do it. You know how, like, obviously, like, the last year's best actor will present this year's uh, best actress. Mm-hmm. So they should do last year's best sound editor presents this year's best sound mixing. Um, oh, know. man. I I would just flip out if David uh, Wasco presented the best production design for Dunkirk <laughs> yes. this year. Oh, I want to see it. I want to see it. But, uh, I mean, I feel as though it's in with a shot for some of these. I mean, cinematography, you know, sound editing, sound yeah. mixing, score. I mean, you know, if it doesn't end up winning best picture or best uh, director... I feel as though that Axel could walk away with a few statues based on their, especially the ones they're up against. I mean, film editing is an interesting one because I haven't seen Three, Bill, Three Billboards yet or The Shape of the Water, but I've actually seen Itonia and I've seen Baby Driver. And Baby Driver's editing was fantastic. Um, and Itonia's, I enjoy the editing of that too. But, um, you know, Dunkirk has its unique place on it. But yeah, I feel as though this definitely can walk away with a few of these, uh, sort of the, the technical awards. Yeah. And I mean, of all those, editing is the obvious choice just because of uh, the 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 kind of weird format that he chose for this. And that's sort of just Christopher Nolan's thing. But I would argue, you know, you have Memento as such a great gimmick to have the movie played in reverse order or like Batman Begins was similar with that. Um, but with uh, with this movie, it's it's even more unique in a way than what Memento did but also more complicated. And it's the fact that the editing of this movie, you have really two sides editing. You have just the technical side of it is, you know, uh, h- how good is it to be able to cut from one scene to the next or one shot from the next? And what's the flow of the movie like? But then you have, is your story being told through the editing? And this is a movie where the editing is probably a bigger, you know, star than uh, any of the actors in the movie, you know, much like you were saying with Christopher Nolan. This movie is all about the editing. And, uh, Editing is one of those categories that I think at least 50% of the time, whatever wins best picture wins best editing. But I would, you know, really be shocked if anything beat Dunkirk for editing because it was so key to this movie. And it's also just a surprise. It's not just, oh, it was clever. They told this movie out of sequence in a way. You have that moment in this movie where you suddenly realize, wait a second, I get it. These are all different lengths you know you have one day one hour you have one week and then there's that one moment where they all kind of meet in the middle you're like that is one of the most clever things i've ever seen Mm, yeah yeah absolutely agree um and it's still you know again even you knowing that it's happening there are still bits that kind of do like oh yeah that's like really clever and how they do it so um i definitely would really like to see this film just in a chronological order just to see how it kind of, you know, if it makes it different. I mean, obviously it would make it different, but, you know, in terms of the overall feel of it. Um, I mean, it's kind of difficult really to talk a whole lot about this because in terms of the fact that we've already talked about this movie. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if there's really a whole lot more you, you want to talk about or if I'm missing something obvious here. Uh, I mean, I'm just looking at the um, the same one that I looked at yesterday in terms of predictions and the order of uh, films and the favouritism. Uh, this is actually uh, in fifth, uh, basically just ahead of the post in terms of um, this, at least this one website I'm looking at. Uh, this is uh, goldderby.com, the esteemed Oscar predictors. Um, I mean, do you think that's a fair, you know, that's kind of, you know, just on the middle range, really. Uh, I mean, do you feel this should be yeah. higher than that? Um, 
I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's that low because outside, if you look at the most nominations, which really doesn't mean it that much anymore, but it's behind the Shape of Water. I mean, Shape of Water is so far ahead as far as number of nominations go, but it's just behind that. And it's this movie that like everybody's put praise on it on every level. I think the obvious choices for Best Picture are probably either The Shape of Water or Three Billboards, but I would have thought Dunkirk would have been right behind it. I mean, I, I don't really see, like, The Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, Lady Bird, Call Me By Your Name, Get Out. Like, none of those movies really have – obviously, The Post has no shot. So uh, whoever's making these odds, I, I don't know if that's – what's going into picking it the only other thing i uh you know really want to talk about is just how memorable the scenes are in this because for Hmm. me i kind of always walk away from watching these best pictures and i pick my favorite it usually comes down to which movie has the most number of scenes that i'll remember forever and if i never watch this movie again like life of pi was one of the big ones where i thought if i never watch this movie again there are at least a half dozen scenes in this movie that i could watch on its own where it's just it's a classic scene and Dunkirk's one of the few movies that actually has those. Uh, I think, you know, obviously like Killian Murphy, him freaking out. There's a handful of them there. Um, the Tom Hardy, you know, the final crash and all that. But like the main scene in the movie when all of them are inside, I think it was like a downed U-boat. And they're all under heavy fire uh, of all these young soldiers. Like that scene alone is worthy of winning Best Picture. It's, that's an incredible scene that I'll remember forever. And even, yeah, I agree. And like I, even just the opening sequence, I just forget kind of how that is. And because I think what this movie does well, which maybe we didn't talk about too much, is, you know, as most of these movies do, I guess there are a few exceptions, but it really gives you kind of a vibe and a taste of just, you know, the war, what the war was like, and particularly, you know, it's it's done so well that all of these actors are just so young looking, and because that's how it was, you know, you had these kids going off to fight in the wars and all this sort of stuff. But just that opening sequence when they're walking through like just those empty streets, uh, you know, in that small mm-hmm. town, and they're just, you know, they're they're picking up newspapers off the ground. There's a scene when he just walks up and picks up a bit of cigarette butt to try and have a smoke, and out of nowhere, you just hear fire and the soldiers falling. You got that one guy that's like running through the streets. He's then getting shot at by the French and then he's just kind of like hey no 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 anglais anglais they help him and then they're just kind of like bugger off um you know so and then just how they kind of the camera tracks him right to the beach and just just mm-hmm. it's so effective it's just it so is and there's like as you said about there's like nine lines of dialogue in this film but this is just one that is just so effective with the silence uh, you, you don't need dialogue you're, you're getting that feel of it mm-hmm. and just the the absolute um the the need for these soldiers to be evacuated you know the helplessness uh and every time you've got a shot of them on the on the pier and all you know they're about to get rescued and you just hear this you know drone of a plane coming you know it's just you just feel every single emotion with these guys and that's why it's so beautifully shot so mm-hmm. um yeah i mean this is this is the interesting thing when i came to rewatching this i'm thinking like look i enjoyed it but do i really want to rewatch it and then I'm glad I did. And this is definitely a film that um, I could easily watch multiple times and enjoy it every single time. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And, yeah, I mean, if we're ranking them. I don't know if this is something we're going to be doing out of these nine. We, we may as well. We're here now. but uh, Oh, we should at the end, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, at least out of the two that we've done, I'm putting Dunkirk number one. And I like the post, yeah. but uh, I like Dunkirk better. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And... Uh, I think the other thing that it's it's sad if the the odds maker are thinking like this fifth choice, maybe this movie needed some other bigger push, uh, you know, closer to the end because I feel like this is this generation Saving Private Ryan and what Saving Mm. Private Ryan did was when that came out, it was the biggest movie in the world. 
And it was one of it was probably the last time there was really a movie like period. Like it's twenty years old now. The last time there was a movie where you had to see it because every person who did see it said this is something you've never seen in a movie before, and it's an important movie because it was really putting you in the middle of a war. And war movies became big again after Saving Private Ryan, but we're twenty years since Saving Private Ryan. And how many classic war movies could you really think of? I mean, Black Hawk Down. I'm struggling to think of another one outside Pearl of that. Harbor. Oh, no. Touche. <laughs> but this is like the next big thing. And this was when this came out, people were saying, you know, this is this generation saving Private Ryan. It's the movie that helps people understand war more. And uh, at the same time, it's not so heavy. Like I remember saving Private Ryan. Uh, you know, there's scenes in that where it's like it's still to this day difficult to watch. And as much as I feel like this movie is tense and everything, and it really is true to I can't say true to war, not like I was in war, but it feels very gritty, like something that, you know, soldiers would look on and they'd say this is what it was like. But it's not so heavy that it's unwatchable. And that's like yeah. what you were saying, like you want to watch it again. It's not uh, you know, so disturbing that you, you just you can't bring yourself to watch it again. It's, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Saving Private Ryan, but I think the difference is, is like, I mean, obviously the opening beach scene, it's, it's graphic, it's confronting, and that's mm-hmm. that's war, that's what it is. And I think the difference between this is that that's all about the battle and, you know, the graphic nature. of This is more about the escape and just the helplessness. That, yeah, it's and, a survival story more than a war story. Which, which is something that I don't know if I've ever seen in a war film before because I think it's always mm-hmm. about, like, the battle and, the you know, the strategy behind, you know, moving up certain areas and this, that, and everything else, whereas this is legitimately about people running away. I mean, no wonder it's set in France. They're, about, they're running away. Uh, no offence mm-hmm. to the great memories of all our great Dunkirk veterans. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a different side of war that and it's an interesting take because it's not something really that you want to you know put out there that this is essentially like people are running away they have to run away they're surviving you know yeah. wars about heroes and you know battles and everything along those lines so uh and like even just I, I know i brought this up and mentioned this in our review but just even like the subtle little things that you hear about the enemy, you hear about, but you bear it, you never hear the word Nazi, you know, you like, you, mm-hmm. you hear, I think Germans mentioned maybe twice. Um, but even like that last scene you mentioned, like with uh, Tom Hardy, and you just kind of see like silhouettes of the people pointing guns at them, you know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. it's effective in the fact that you don't, you know who the enemies are in World War II. Uh, you know that they're the bad guys, you don't need to be, you know, reference every five seconds. Here's Hitler, here's the Nazis. So. Um, yeah, just, it's just effective. It's well done. Um, I mean, I, I, we've already rated this. I'm not changing my buy it. I'm assuming you're not changing your buy it as well. Oh yeah. So, Definitely a buy it. So we're both there. And, uh, in terms of our rankings, I guess right now, with Dunkirk one, the post two. Um, yep. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess we don't really need to talk about anything else unless I've missed anything. Uh, no, let's just, um, give more praise to, uh, um, Mark Rylance, who we didn't talk about, who was, uh, I guess the captain of the boat, mm. you know, he won the Academy yes. Award for Best Supporting Actor for Bridge of Spies a few years ago. And it's kind of surprising that there weren't acting because, yeah, there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie, but there are so many great stand-up performances, you know, Mark Rylance and um, Kelly Murphy being the two big ones. But uh, some really good performances in here, I think, that probably should have gotten at least some attention. And that kid, that, that main kid. Uh, who uh, was Tommy? Uh, yeah, is that Fionn White? Fionn Whitehead. I think yeah. we talked him up, didn't we? But you know, I I think he's great. And again, props to Harry Styles. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. words yeah. I never thought I'd say, but uh, yeah, though no, I, I actually really appreciated his acting chops. So um, he could have a big 
future ahead of him uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, acting. So we'll see how that plays out. But, um, yeah, that's Dunkirk for a second look at it. Uh, as always, these are kind of going to be short. You know, we're really capping these no longer than half an hour pretty much for most of these because uh, obviously we've got a few to get to in the next uh, eight or so days before the Academy Awards. But uh, we're going to try and uh, get our way through them. That's two down, seven to go. Uh, and the next one we're going to be looking at uh, is The Darkest Hour, another film which we've technically reviewed on this show. Colin gave it a buy it. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I wasn't there. But uh, we're <laughs> going to re-see this again. Uh, uh, anything that I should be looking out for for uh, The Darkest Hour, or is this just purely uh, two hours of Give Gary Oldman a long overdue Oscar? <laughs> Uh, it, it's that, but it's, it's so much more. Like, I was surprised, because I'm such a huge Gary Oldman fan, I was surprised how much I actually really enjoyed the movie, and, uh, my rating's not gonna change on this, I'll already say that. It's still gonna be a buy it, but I it's one of these things where I didn't expect that now, what, a month and a half, almost two months later, uh, I'd be looking on the movie even more fondly and remembering, uh, so many scenes even more, uh, not just for Gary Oldman's performance, but just for the movie itself, and, uh, we talked about Dunkirk now we're going to be talking more about Dunkirk because that's a huge part of uh, the darkest hour and also we had mentioned Lincoln on the last episode and I, I felt like especially walking out of darkest hour that that movie did right for um, Winston Churchill what the movie Lincoln did wrong for Lincoln like <laughs> it's a movie a biopic about one of the most famous politicians of all time one of the famous human beings of all time but it's told in in such a short period of time really just focusing on one aspect of uh you know his time in office but it just does it so much better than lincoln does yeah no i i think i said to you off air that i was bored in lincoln um but yeah i i mean i get chills watching i saw the trailer a couple of times for this and uh you know everyone loves gary oldman come on like this is a guy mm -hmm. who should have at least like you know five oscars in his back pocket and He's only, this is only the second time he's been nominated. A travesty. Absolute travesty. So. He wasn't even nominated for the fifth element, people. Come on. And where was his nomination for Air Force One? All right. You yes. Know, I've never. Boston Space, Dr. Smith. <laughs> yes. Come on. Damn it. 20 year anniversary. <laughs> yes. Coming soon to the Oz Network. Uh, so, uh, let's, uh, look forward to that. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on, uh, Twitter, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Let us know your predictions. What do you think is going to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards? Who's going to win Best Sound Mixing at the Academy Awards? Uh, person who gets that gets a, a lolly. Uh, but my name is Ben and this is me on the beach, not trying to get blown up by a plane. <laughs> um and my name is Colin and please please dear god Oscars give us David Wasco presenter 2018 thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at theoznetwork.net <laughs> <laughs>